Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 438, BGG Hotness, for August 2023. We'd like to thank all our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, friends, we are back. And of course, during the hottest season in board gaming, we are jumping back into the heat with Board Game Geek's hotness list. Why is that, Anthony? Is there anything particularly hot this time of year? <laughs> well, there's there's at least one on there that I don't think would normally be there, <laughs> if not for some incredibly stupid decision-making by its designers. Or brilliant decision-making by its designers. Mm, that's true. If there was enough money in this industry to support that decision, we you might be right. But I don't know with the game that they're... <laughs> Uh, we'll get to it. It's funny. We'll get to it. There, there's a, there's a, there, yes, yes, there's, it's a thing. It's a thing, and you'll, you'll find out why pretty soon if you don't know already. But that's going to be part of our feature review. Again, always talking about the latest and greatest in board gaming. So stick with us. We'll give you an update. Obviously, a lot of Gen Con stuff will be in that list. A lot of stuff from Essen and some other kind of unique, you know, tricks and ticks. But Anthony, I don't know if you know this. It was all over social media. Disney Lorcana. This, well, I guess by the time we're recording this, this past Friday, it was released into the wild, and all the game stores were dealing with the crush of this new CCG. Yeah, it's silly, but it's fun. Uh, so I guess it's a pre-release, like the full release is September first, but this was yeah. like the game store release. Which, from what I've read, they cut down how much they shipped to the game stores significantly. Sometimes Ooh. as much as like 75-80%. So, two things happened. One is game stores had to ration their stuff. So, if they were pre-selling it, they had to cancel a lot of pre-orders or cut Oof. down how much people got. Two is a lot of them are selling it for quote-unquote market price. Oh! Which we learned at Gen Con means stupid money. Stupid. Um, I mean, seriously, stupid money. When, when you try to get some guacamole, we found it was stupid money. <laughs> um, so, I, I mean, people are out there buying it. You can go to your local game store if they brought, if they got it in, and they didn't sell out right away. They have it, but probably it's all sold out by now. If you're listening to this <laughs> when this releases, um, if you're worried about that, it is releasing everywhere else on September 1st. You can go to Shop Disney and like all the big box stores, Target, Walmart, etc. And from what I've read, and I don't know this, what this even means volume-wise, because Robinsberger hasn't said, but they're going to print a lot of this first set. So all this August speculation and the stuff selling for stupid prices on eBay seems like it might be short-lived, at least to some degree. You're not really missing out unless you really wanted to participate at a game store in an event. Now, sure. I did not want to do that, but I would like to get this game to play with my kids, especially my daughter. So I, I'm i waiting and I'm hoping they just have it at Target and I don't have to punch somebody in the parking lot. All of Pokemon, <laughs> get that stuff. Um, But that, that's what's happening. Crazy. Well, thank you. I, I, I'm glad. I'm glad we know now. I'm glad we're going to be okay. I'm glad the. <laughs> Lorcana Apocalypse is upon us and passing, and we're all going to be able to see the sunshine. Go to your local big box store and scramble for the boxes of these things because reasons, I guess. It's so dumb. I mean, it's not so dumb. 
I've I've paid more money than I should for things that I want, but people are paying like three hundred bucks for a booster box, which is about double what it should cost. Sure. I think if you just wait a little while, I don't know. If, you know, it'll probably still be stupid for a while, but not this stupid. These prices are dumb. Yeah, I mean, there's Pokemon's been all about this with the big box stores where they've like yeah. restricted certain things, and I mean, there's just been an endless number of challenging, problematic situations. I the one thing I do wonder because I've been out of the CCG thing for quite some time, and obviously every day they keep trying to pull me back, is what does a Friday night game night look at a local game store when mm. you know a new big game? I know Flesh and Blood came out was jumped to like number four as far as the top ccgs like how much space and time do these friendly local game stores have to now accommodate a disney larkana that's going to bring in like disney fans on top of everything else great question yeah i yeah. i the the journalist in me who's he's not a very big part of me but it's in there wanted to kind of hunt one of these down and just see what it was like yeah um, there really aren't big events running close to me like at if sure. in the suburbs or in new jersey so i was like eh, it's not worth it but <laughs> <laughs> but i am fascinated to, to see like is it bringing in families like pokemon is it at the moment just all of the you know 20 30 something speculators that we saw at gen con um are we getting older people who are big disney fans like what does the audience sure. look like for this and how rabid are they at these events like i i would like to see that i mean disney adults is a real thing oh yeah and Disney owns almost every IP out there at this point. So, I mean, just like how they've kind of squeezed and squeezed everything out of their current IPs, I mean, this could be a thing forever, right? I mean, unless they don't want to kind of do it, I mean, you could see Star Wars in this at some point, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they yeah. could mix the properties. I mean, they'd be crazy not to do those things. So, I, I fear for the meta. I fear for the power creep. And I fear for all those families who are like, oh, there's a, hey, honey, hey, kids. Turns out there's a, there's a game event at the game store for Disney Lurkana. Okay, kids, come on, let's, let's go down to the game store. It's going to be fun. <laughs> just like, just like 40, 50 year old men, just like crushing these eight year olds. Oh, they're crying. <laughs> I mean, that's, to be fair, that's what Pokemon already is. I like, know. I've seen, I'm so like, why is there an, are they, are they, no, that's not the parent. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> is there security here? I feel like there should be security here. This man is like assaulting this child with, you know, like rodents and electric types, and I don't know, like <laughs> scary. It's, just it's scary a mess, stuff. man. It's a mess. All right. Good luck to all of you out there who are doing this, and good luck to all the parents that are going to be picking this up for their kids because those friendly, friendly. Local game stores, sometimes not so friendly in some cases. Just saying. Yeah. yeah. If Been you got one near you selling stuff for what it should cost, support them because they're doing good do, yeah. doing good work. Absolutely. I mean, we've gone to many of these Friday Night Magic things, and yeah, it gets a little rough. It gets a little rough there, bro. But on the good side, especially if you're a CCG person out there, Board Game Geek just... I guess probably the best way to say this is because they've had running lists for a very long time, but now any game that you go to on their site actually has a tab for exactly what sleeves and the number of sleeves for a particular game. And this is th amazing. 
Yes. Isn't it? Right? Yes. I've wanted this since day one. I, I It's so cool that it finally exists. It's fantastic because, and they're not, at least seemingly, they're not promoting or trying to, you know, like, there's no kind of like connection to any particular, you know, sleeve company. It's just like, this is the size you need. This is the name you need. And and, so, and this is the quantity that you need. And again, I really hate the fact that all these companies, like, I'm not expecting them to all do the same thing. But the fact that there's like three or four versions of a sleeve that are like one millimeter off and it, the car doesn't fit. Yeah. It's 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 always so painful. I have so many sleeves with no with no cards to go along with it because of again, 1 millimeter for some reason. Yeah, I I spent so like the Sleeve Kings game found campaign that was up last year. I spent I backed it. I got like 100 packs of sleeves, but I spent maybe 3 hours digging through and just like carefully updating my pledge manager. Sure. To make sure I had enough variety in those hundred packs that I would actually have what I need when yeah. it came time to get them, because yeah, you're right. It is often just like, oh, this one's forty four points times sixty three, but this one's yes. forty three point five times sixty four, and you're like, oh, it doesn't fit now. Yeah, so you have like five sizes that are all very close to each other, so you can't just look at it. You need a way to know exactly what the size is before you go buy the sleeve. So this is really yes. helpful. Um, digging through the the geek list that you were talking about before was always kind yes. of cumbersome. It was. The game companies sometimes give you that information. Sometimes they don't. Like Fantasy Flight always did, which was nice, but they don't really make games anymore. So mm-hmm. all the other companies don't do it, um, and they don't really make sleeves anymore either. So it, it's cool. This is really cool to have. Yeah, and again, I think this is one of those things. And again, they if you look at the page. And it is a, you know, a generic kind of size, at least. They'll show you seemingly almost every company here from A to Z. And I think that's also wonderful, too, because you could pick out what company or, you know, that has a sleeve. Because, again, throughout the years, sleeves have been different quality, different, you know, quantity in the bags. Sometimes they've had, weirdly enough, I think it was Upper Deck, had that little silver logo in the corner that I've always hated. Yeah. So... Just like why, why we get it, okay, but why? So, um, no, this is I'm really happy about this. I'm really genuinely happy about this. I think this is a great service that BoardGameGeek is providing, and again, stellar work. Especially again for all you people out there who are sleeving endless numbers of games out there. You got a thing now. I love it. Great. So, yeah. all right. Well, those are just a couple of the things that are happening. Obviously, our feature review will get into the major things that are happening. But I should also mention, this coming week, another happening for us on our Patreon account. I'll be bringing Kicking the Habit back. We've kicked kicked it around a lot during Gen Con. So if you're on our Patreon account, patreon.com slash BGA, you'll get a brand new episode of Kicking the Habit. All right, Anthony, so that's what's happening with us. What's happening with our friends out there? What's our question of the week? All right, question of the week this week is, what has changed the most about you as a gamer since you entered the hobby? So, like, just some personal reflection here. Ooh. I'm working on my syllabi this week. Yeah, it seems like you're working on it yourself. <laughs> yeah, right? This is, a, this is the kind of question I ask my students a lot. Like, what's changed about you this term, this year, your life? Like, what's changed? Oh, so, okay. as gamers, what has changed? Um, 
So over on the Patreon, and if you are a backer at any level, you can answer the questions there or in our Discord channel, and you'll be entered into our twice-a-month contest uh, to win one of the many prizes from the giant list that I send out. Um, that list contains gift cards from various publishers. It contains prizes like dice and dice towers. There are a lot of games on there as well, um, including some from our own personal collections that were review copies that we have um, finished with. So lots of options. You get a giant list. You get to pick from that giant list what you are most interested in, and then I send it in the mail to you. So uh, if you are a backer on Patreon, you have the opportunity to enter that contest every couple weeks. So the answer on uh, Patreon from Jill is I got into more and more complex games. No longer was that 30-page rulebook an obstacle. Uh, more, solo games, more solo games than ever with loss of gaming groups. Also, a little bit more snobbish. I used to laugh at those who spent extra to sleeve their cards, get upgraded components, and deluxified everything. Now I am that person. So kind of a really describing that slow ascent into what we all are <laughs> at this point. Sure. Uh, welcome, Jill. Uh, over on the Discord channel, a uh, couple good answers here. We have Adrian, who says, uh, I've probably had a normal progression. In the beginning, you want to try everything. And since I was not part of a game group, it also meant uh, if I wanted to try it, I had to buy it, which was, which I was fortunate to be able to do. I scoured Kickstarter and looked forward to all the upcoming lists of new games. The one good thing was I had no interest in minis games, so saved a lot of money there. Um, <laughs> Now that I have so many games I've not yet played, and the only gaming I really get to play are short games, I've pretty much stopped looking to buy games that play more than an hour. So mm. kind of just getting to the point, seeing what you actually play, and then cutting back accordingly. Yes. Uh, Control Makes Shift Home on Discord says, I don't feel the need to buy good deals or a lot of new games that come out. There are so, so many good games that I have, that my friends have, and that have been out for years, if not decades. Rarely does a new game come out that offers something truly new or iterates and improves on an existing mechanic. To some extent, we're entering a territory that video games and movies had entered where they aren't new games so much as remakes and rethemes of existing games. He mentions Kemet, Cyclades, Raw, Archeo Society, games that have been like just recently rethemed and have become very popular in those rethemes. Uh, so I, I've come around to a play-what-you-have mindset. It's quicker to set up, teach, and have plays of games you know. Sometimes a game you weren't wild about gets a lot better on subsequent plays and it allows for more fun and interaction with your friends since you aren't having to look up every rule every time you play. Um, so that's uh, everybody from our, you know, our, our backing groups. We also had a bunch of responses on Facebook. Uh, and so if, even if you're not a backer, I encourage you to check us out on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash boardgamersanonymous. We have... The questions go up there, the episodes go up there, announcements, events, opportunities, contests, all that stuff goes up there as well. So you can leave your response there and just see everybody else's comments um, as they come through. So David mentions, I don't buy every single game I've come across. Much harder to find games that I think should be part of the collection. Uh, Fiona says, more solo player content. Um, Eric says, game tastes have changed over time. So it's kind of thinking of themselves as a Euro gamer. Uh, and also more solo games. Um, Fed says, one thing that has changed is I listen to more board game content than when I first started. Um, Scott says, I met someone on Twitter that lived about a certain amount of way. They introduced him to 18XX, Splatter, Coin, Winston Cube Rails, so big heavy stuff. Um, 
So getting kind of go from medium to big, heavier things. Uh, so lots of good responses there from everybody. Thank you so much for writing in. It's interesting to see everybody's kind of trajectory. Sure. It really depends on where you're at too. Like if you're 10, 15 years in, you're probably at that point of like, I don't buy as much stuff. I really know what I want. I'm really careful with it. If you're like three to five years in, you might be like, I buy everything and it's amazing. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think throughout, I mean, I think board gaming, because people are involved is, is not something that you can just, you know, and we talked about this, and I think on our 10 year anniversary, the formula changes and the formula changes often for where, where you are in your life what your group is about and again, how you kind of position yourself as a, you know, a player versus or inclusive of being a collector. And just recently was at some game nights and someone said that they do have this big collection. And usually there, you know, there's that inclination to say, Oh, you know, that's a shame and stuff like that. And they were like, you know, part of me or all of me is a collector first and foremost. And I was like, yeah, why not, right? I mean, how many recent things have we picked up? I just recently got the most recent Smash Up faction box, and I'm and I was putting it in the larger, crazy size box with all the other factions. I don't have them all, but there was an intention at some point to collect them all. I'm missing the Cthulhu one really early on because I never thought I would be collecting them, and now I'm collecting them. Am I playing it? Not so much, but again it became more of a collectible kind of situation because there is so many different kinds of faction. And it brought me some joy to go, if and when I ever bring this out, and I do intend to bring it out, like I can lay out and say, what do you want to play as? And the person can say, ah, I, you know, crazy things you'll never have. And I'm like, no, 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 seriously. <laughs> there's like, I don't <laughs> know. There's like a hundred different factions. So I probably have it. I probably have some version of it. So, I mean, and again, that brings me joy. Again, it has not happened as of yet to drop the big box on a table full of people and pull out the exact weird, I guess, IP distinct or legally distinct kind of factions at the table. But it is certainly something like that, too. And again, I, we talked about the formula again. Go back to that episode because I think it's a very interesting episode. Initially, it was all about replayability. Because you did want your games, again, 10 years ago, I wanted my games to last forever because I would play them forever and I'd pass them down forever. And now, in a lot of cases, it's more about how does it hit the table the very first time? Because if you're playing with acquaintances or strangers or even friends in some cases, they may not want to come back and play that game again. So does it play well on their first time or do you have to grind through a couple of plays before it starts hitting. And if it takes that, again, depending on your game group and your age and your place and your situation, that may never happen. Yeah, there's a review coming up in probably two, three weeks that is exactly that of a pretty hot new game that I think we may not be happy with. Sure. Because it's that, it's that grind. Yeah, and I think that that's a really important thing to think about. And again, I don't, and I think we also mentioned this not too long ago, but I mean, a lot of publishers want that. And a lot of designers want that. And I respect the heck out of that because they've embedded so much into the game. But you shouldn't, I don't know. I, I think there's a, cre a critical key point with those games. And again, we talked about this for years. Like, it's a different type of media. 
you know, you're not passive. You're not watching a movie and you're passive to it and you're acting with it some way. You really actively have to participate. I mean, it happens in board games. It happens in video games. Sometimes you get into a game and it just, you hit a wall. So, again, and maybe that changes in the years. Maybe that changes. Again, I think a lot of ways, too, the thing that's been popping around my head over the last couple of months and years at this point is like, am I going to find the lifestyle game that is going to be like, this is the game that I'm going to carry with me everywhere I go. I'm going to mentally invest or financially invest in the game, learn every aspect, get every faction, get every promo, whatever it might be. And like, this is my thing. And again, just might be natural age and progression or gaming, so to speak. Yeah, I, I, that's a good question. Like, I've often thought that, like, is this the one? Is this the one I become obsessed with? And I, I've never really found one. Yeah. Personally. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if it happens as I get older, though. It's <laughs> like, I don't want to learn anything new anymore. I hate this. I always thought you could do a podcast on that. And, like, this is the greatest, like, the greatest game or something like that. And then once you hit a game that you felt was that game, you just stopped. That was it. Yeah. No more recordings. <laughs> just like, that's the last one. This is the game. I found everyone. Bye. I mean, the series could last like a dozen episodes or maybe 500 or maybe two. I don't know. It's possible. But hopefully you all found the greatest game because I don't know. Maybe it's Disney Larkana. Maybe that's a thing. Yeah. I'm sure lots of people will find that. Yeah. Uh, you'll notice we don't mock the game. We just mock the stupid <laughs> Surround which it's being sold. <laughs> yeah, because everyone should have fun. Again, that's always it's hard too because you want to bring more and more people to the hobby. And when you say, "Hey, there's this really cool new thing like Disney Larkana," and you're like, "Oh, I love Disney. I love games. This is awesome." I'm like, cool. Come back in like six months when <laughs> it's affordable, and then you could maybe play it if you could find it at that point. And they're like, "What?" And I'm just like, oh, "Yeah, it's there's there's an industry behind this. You don't want to mess with this, right?" No. Now. No, no, it's too yeah, it's too hot, man. It's too hot. Super yeah. hot. <laughs> all right. Well, that's our question week again. Thank you all for joining us and submitting. But again, don't stop. Continue to hit us up again, our Discord, our Facebook page, because again, it seems like strangely and weirdly enough, <laughs> Facebook is the last social media more or less standing that I don't know, that's not being shut down internally or externally. So yeah. Do that thing. Set up an account and join us at the table. Or I don't know. Maybe Facebook. Maybe Facebook does fall, and then we all go back to MySpace. I don't know. It's one of those post-apocalyptic things in social media. I I mean maybe MySpace <laughs> still alive? Is that that doesn't exist, does it? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's like appliances. Like the new appliances burn out, but somehow the old stuff continues <laughs> to work. I, it doesn't make any right. kind of sense. All right. That's everything for us. Anthony, let's get on to the games that we want to talk about and we want to hit the table. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders. All right. So there's a bunch of new stuff recently announced. Uh, I've got like eight of these that are coming up. A lot of them in Essen. This is when all the Essen releases start getting announced. I'm going to talk about one of the smaller ones first because I'm not surprised it exists, but I have high hopes for it based on the people working on it. And that is Grand Austria Hotel Hochseisen. Oh! Is, yeah, this is a roll and write. Uh-huh. Based on Grand Austria Hotel. Uh, designed by Virginia Gili, Ryan Hendrickson, and Simone Luciani. I've heard uh, of him. I have too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this was just announced here in the last 
week or so, four days, yeah. five days. Um, and it is a rolling right, obviously based on uh, Grand Austria Hotel, which is about being the best hotel, making everybody happy, giving them nice sweets and treats, getting them to their rooms. Um, it's a cozy game, right? We talk about stuff where you, you hack and slash each other. This is a very cozy, <laughs> nice, relaxed. Whatever you think of the mechanics, the theme is just very soothing, right? Um, this is a roll and write based on that. So you're doing the same stuff, right? You're preparing rooms, getting stuff for the guests, making personnel decisions, getting the right people out there. And of course, the emperor is out there floating around somewhere and he, you have to make sure he's happy. Um, so mechanically, it's supposed to mirror what the base, what the board game does, um, but be quicker, obviously. Take, they're saying 45 to 90 minutes, which I think is crazy for a roll yeah. and write. Yeah. The only roll and write I've ever played that justified that length was Twilight Inscription. Yes. Nothing else comes close. Like nope. Fleet the Dice game is the next closest, and that's like 40 minutes. Anything sure. above that is too long. So yeah. we'll see. Um, but it is a roll and write, and they're, they're calling it an expert level roll and write, which is bold. It's bold to be able to say you can do that, because a lot of people try and they fail. Um, you've got erasable player trays. These are from processes and tactics and all these different things you're trying to do. There's really not a lot of information released yet about the game. I feel like before Gen Con, we often get a lot of info about the games coming out here in the US. In Europe, they're just like, here's a game. You can come buy it. That's it. That's all you get. Figure it out. Um, but you'll have your little your player board that like represents your hotel with all the different rooms that you're marking off, which should be familiar because your game boards in the original were like basically the same thing, but now you're using a pen. Um, and there's a bunch of dice that you're going to be drafting to do various things. So mm -hmm. again, kind of similar to the board game, but now with the writing aspect instead of the cards. So it could be interesting, right? Maybe it helps eliminate some of the randomness of the deck because you don't oh, have boy. this big deck of cards that people are drawing <laughs> from. Bad. Like you still got the dice, but at least now maybe you get some more choices there of what you do with them. Sure. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think of this. I historically like roll and write games, but I've been a little underwhelmed with recent releases, like the last two, three years, with the exception of like Twilight Inscription, which I did really enjoy. Um, but this one really caught my eye because good designers. I like Grand Austria Hotel. Um, I want to like it more than I do. We've talked about some of the issues with that game. And hopefully this can do something interesting who knows um they are saying on uh board game geek it won't be at essen because of a production delay mm. but will be out in europe later this year so probably we'll have it here in the states in the spring but that's up to asmodee so we'll see <laughs> i saw this i wasn't surprised by it because if you play the game before the board just kind of looks like a giant pad where yeah. you're you're doing very minor, I want I guess you should say reno renovations. Like you're opening and closing doors. Like it makes sense yeah. that you would just take a pencil and cross off or circle a thing. And the game is primarily rolling a handful of dice and then selecting the dice to do something on the board. So mm -hmm. it's an easy transition to a roll and write. So when I saw it, I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I get this, of course. But as you said, Anthony, the the length is is again. I guess it shouldn't be surprising because the, the you know, Grand Oster Hotel is does take a chunk of time. 
and again, usually that's because they try to throw every bell and whistle into that game, and sometimes it's a little much, but it's a very good game. It's just a little much, and then, as you mentioned, the deck. So I'm not surprised that this their thought is, let's let's make this a full roll and write. Like you said, I, I think it's a coin flip. I think this this could be... I, I, don't, I would never say that roll and write is, is just as good as the board game version, but it could be meaningfully so well-intentioned and so, like, just pointing towards the board game that it makes a lot of sense. Like I said, Twilight Inscription does that. If so, you can capture the spirit of the game, it yes. could work, right? Like, yes. And again, most of them don't work. Twilight Inscription is, like, one of the few I can think of that actually pulls it off. Uh, there are dice game versions that work, but the actual roll-and-write mechanic, it's so specific and so... Mm-hmm solo oriented I, I don't know we'll see how it goes yeah I, I think yeah i have a good feeling that it'll work that being said and again i've i i do like a couple of roll rights as fillers but what i liked best about the grand roster hotel was was the it was the kind of hand management kind of thing deck building not deck building so much but like employees and guests yeah. and stuff like that i i really enjoy that part that's the part for me that sings not that this is the essential thing, but it, it does sing for me on that area. All right. Well, I got one for you. And again, I'm, I'm going a little bit out, outside the mainstream because I know we're doing a hotness today. So I don't want to bring something pretty standard, but I found something pretty, again, out there. <laughs> uh, this is Fool's Blade, a sword crafting monster slaying card game, a fast paced comedic chaotic, sword-crafting, monster-slaying, loot-grabbing, friendship-ruining, backstabbing card game. I love that. Uh, I don't see enough, personally, I don't see enough found enough humorous, sarcastic take takes on board gaming. I mean, we we have Munchkin, but honestly... Meh. Yeah, exactly. I see. He did the thing that I thought he was going to do. So, I, I really appreciate the fact when they try to put the effort into, like, hey, this hobby's a lot of fun. It's got a Weird Al vibe to it. I love that. So again, primarily this game is all about you as an adventurer. And as this hero adventurer, you have a number of the different classic, I guess, classes to take part in. So you could be a warlock, uh, magician, rogue, all those kind of fun stuff. And then your job here is first check out the tavern because, of course, you do tavern stuff. And that's going to give you some abilities and some starting, you know, equipment. And then from that equipment, the trading, the bartering, all that stuff, you are going to construct a mighty weapon from multiple cards. So you put this mighty weapon together, the hilt of the sword and all the different blades and all the special enchantments, along with other equipment. And it makes a pretty cool, fun sword. This is kind of like that game epic spell monster from the tower that was kind of somewhat gross as far as like the things that it's showing, but like it puts together this wacky weapon and this wacky kind of character. And then of course, once you're equipped with your gear, you decide where you want to go. So do you want to forge, put your weapon, make it look better, go questing, you know, be able to accomplish these these different quests in order to gain additional cards and special abilities but more more likely than not you want to go monster hunting and again it's a very cartoony version of all of this and the 
you try to fight the monster based upon the special ability of your sword against the monster. There's good stuff if you win, there's bad stuff if you lose. And of course, because I guess Munchkin is a thing everywhere in the world, other players can mess with you as you're messing with the monster. On top of which, because it's crazy and wacky, the game box itself is is basically a wacky sword. It's a sword. So the cards come in this kind of blade for the sword, and you get to play at the table. And you can get the full game for $25. That being said, it's a first-time designer. We always support our first-time designers, but just be aware, first-time designer. And it looks like a lot of fun. It's And it's got a bunch of really cool D&D dice that goes along with it because you have to do certain roles. There's an expansion in it, and there's one of those things where you could buy everything, including special signed cards and artwork and things like that. But it's something to check out. Uh, Fool's Blade, a sword-crafting, monster-slaying card game. It's got about, by the time you listen to this, about five more days ago, got about half a million dollars. So it's doing wow. something right. Looks cool. Cute. Yeah. Kid-like. I, we need more sword-building games. Probably. I know! <laughs> we had that Adam's Apple game back in the day. Yeah, yeah. It's was It It might have been just Swordcrafter or something like that. Yeah, yeah it was, it was pretty cute. straightforward. That was fun. Yeah. You could only you could only play it like five times until the cardboard started to bend, but uh, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. All right. Hey, everybody. We are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal... Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. So those are just some of the really cool things that are out there in the world. So, Anthony, let's get on to the reviews, and we'll let people know if those games are a buy, and they should buy those games, those games are playing, they should play those games. Those are games that are a dodge, and they should avoid those games. Or if, in fact, they are the dreaded burn, and then you should take your comically large sword board game and just stick it through with that game because it is broke. It just does not deserve to come back to from the dead. It's a bad game. It's just it's just a bad game. That's all I'm saying. It's a bad game. I said it really long, but it's just a bad game. So, Anthony, <laughs> what games did you play? All right. I, I didn't play any bad games, unfortunately. Ah, uh, oh, we don't need the sword, everybody. I, I know. I can't belabor your metaphor. Uh, I'm sorry. We brought the sword out and everything, and now... I I'm know. sorry, folks. I, 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 like I said, I got a bad game in a couple weeks. Everybody can look right. forward to that. Oh, Some get, sizzle get, for you. It's uh, coming. There you go. <laughs> keep, the sword, just keep the sword sharp. That's all yep. I'm saying. <laughs> put, put the pitchforks away. Uh, all right. So I played a, a couple of quick ones here. One we've already reviewed twice. So this isn't really a review. It's kind of like a addendum to the review. Uh, and that's Star Wars, the deck building game. And the reason I wanted to talk about this again, again, for the third time, 
because you reviewed it back in the spring. I reviewed it after my birthday. We played it then. Mm-hmm. Um, but I recently got a chance to play with my son, who is 12 years old. I and... met him. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> good guy. Uh, so he wanted to play a game and specifically wanted to find a game where my sis- his sister couldn't play. So we. Oh, wow. <laughs> he went dark side quick. <laughs> yeah. No. They like to play together, but sometimes not so much. So okay. I was like, oh, well, this is a two-player game. You could probably play this. And uh, we sat down to uh, play Star Wars, the deck-building game. And he has not played a deck-building game before, which I didn't realize, but we had not brought any out. So, you know, I walked him through what the mechanics were, how it works, what you have to do. And he picked it up very quickly. It's a very simple, straightforward game. Because um, this is basically Star Realms with, like, one extra mechanic <laughs> thrown in the middle where you can attack each other's cards in the in the center row. Um and he took to it really quickly. Like it the box says 30 minutes. I think it probably took 30 40 minutes to play through the game. There's 20 minutes there when I was teaching it. Um but it was quick. The decision space was very straightforward. Um I could tell he was very engaged with it. He had fun and every like the game gives you enough agency where you always feel like you're doing something, even when your hand doesn't really tell you that you're doing anything, right? Like, oh, you have five resources. I can buy this one card. You still feel like you did a thing, though. Yes. Right? That's always what's so good about these games. So we had a lot of fun. Uh, he did learn the vital lesson of all deck builders that you need to thin your deck and not just buy uh, as many cards as you can. Sure. Because he had it. He was playing Imperials and... Not a lot of his cards came out, but he did have like four bounty hunters and Jabba's sales barge that he picked up. But he had so much chaff around that, yeah, that he wasn't able to play those combos. I think he played it once. He had one big turn in the middle mm. uh, and took out a planet. But I was calling my deck pretty frequently, and I had one really big turn with Leia and Chewbacca. And oh no, a couple <laughs> X wings and a B wing. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um. And I felt bad, but, you know, he's 12, so I'm not going to let him win anymore. Uh, so so he, he definitely learned the lesson there of, like, yeah, the game always builds to, like, one giant big turn. You just want to be the one to get that giant big turn first. Yeah. Um, but it was fun. And even despite that, even, like, getting blown out of the water in the last turn, he, he, he still had fun with it. So this is just a extension, I guess, of my recommendation for Star Wars The Deck Building mm-hmm. Game. It was a buy before. It's a buy still. Played great with my son. Um, and we will be playing it many more times, I think. And really want some expansion stuff because why not? Except Final Th- or Fantasy Flight, it's kind of why not at this point. <laughs> no, that's uh, so yeah, yeah. No, it's great that it works so well for uh, younger people too. And I again, just to go back, just just to just touch back my you know earlier review. It shouldn't work this well, and it does. It just no, does. <laughs> it just does. And again, it's one of those things that we've complained about for years. It's like that market row is everything or nothing to you. And there's just the game lives and dies based on that. I was talking to someone about Dune Imperium, and he's like, oh, the new new version's coming out. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I hope they do something about the market. He's like, oh, did you play the newest expansion, the X one? So I haven't played that one yet. He's like, yeah, you can use Atomics and everyone gets a chance i guess everyone has the opportunity once per game to wipe the market out i was like cool finally because your decks are getting too big you know that the stack is yeah. just is just too big so the fact that you can always do something and i know that's that's a key thing for you anthony 
that's great. Like that's you should not feel like you can't do anything on your turn, or you'd have to do like something crazy or bad. So yeah, yeah, and it's. I think the thing that really sticks with me with a game like this, it works when you're playing, especially with younger people, mm-hmm. is it needs to be clear when you finish the game what you did well and what you did not do well. Sure. Right? You should be able to look at that and very briefly, not have to do a deep analysis and be like, okay, well, I bought these cards. That was good. I should have gotten rid of these other cards. I had yes. the opportunity to do that if I had done X, Y, or Z, and I did not. That's it. Yeah. That's, and that's to- your assessment. And and to be fair to your son, the last time you and I played, I only got one time was I one card that was able to like thin out my deck because I know you were thinning out right. your deck, and I kept waiting for a card to thin out my deck. That was I think I was the Imperials at that side. It just might be right. a lesser card or something you had to get to it in the deck, but yeah, that's certainly a challenge throughout. So yeah, yeah, I mean that's part of the draw. Sometimes yeah. they just don't have it. Um, Doesn't come and out. Then you buy less stuff. So, but it yeah, it is one of those balancing things. But Absolutely, it went well. We'll be playing it more. Love we it. Probably won't review it a fourth time, but I'm just going to leave it out there. It's a buy for friends and family. I know you got a daughter. I'm just saying. That's true. Get <laughs> <laughs> my wife to play too. Everybody in. Everyone. Person in the house. This is the twelfth review from the guy down the street. I got him to play the game. He doesn't even know who I am, and he yelled at me <laughs> constantly. But he enjoyed the game, so yeah, it's another win. So you know what game needs more coverage? Star Wars. Yeah, that needs more coverage. <laughs> I'm glad that we're helping out this uh, new and uh, vulnerable IP get on its feet. Heck yeah. (laughs) Finally. Finally, someone's talking about Star Wars. Thank goodness, Anthony. Hot take there, brother. Hot take. Hot take. Hot talk. Star Wars game is good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Kind of on the same, I don't know, galaxy or alternate universe or galaxy. I got a game for you. This game was provided from as a review copy from Gale Force 9, it is Star Trek Away Mission. So Star Trek Away Missions is a thematic take on, again, first off, hopefully you know about Star Trek. It's been out for a long time. It's about these Federation people, people from Earth and and kind of joint planets and species and civilizations that join together to explore the galaxy. And to boldly go where no one's gone before and to do a lot of cool scientific mission and meet a lot of cool people. And somehow, (laughs) very often, unfortunately, they get dragged into military conflict. So, one of the most famous military conflicts of the next generation, which was Star Trek The Next Generation back in the 90s, that kind of like really blew up, no pun intended, was Wolf. 359, which was this really huge conflict. Again, I'm going to try to avoid spoilers in case you haven't seen Star Trek The Next Generation. It's possible. Maybe you want to go back to it. The Next Generation crew runs into this alien species called the Bork, and they're a assimilated species of robotic humanoids that seek to assimilate other cultures and take their technology and to make them part of them. So there was this epic battle in this part of space and the Federation took on the Borg and were basically more or less wiped out with the exception of the Enterprise, who is the hero ship, the flagship that came in the end. And again, no spoilers, but watch the show. It's pretty cool. This allows you to have the opportunity to 
be on one of the away missions. Away missions are typically members of the crew, main characters, special abilities, and they go down to a planet or a ship. Well, this time, the Borg and the Federation are clashing in this base set of Star Trek away missions. And the game itself lets you play one of the two factions. So you could play as the Federation faction. And again, if you know anything about the series, you got Riker, you got Data, you got Worf, and you got Shelby. And you only know Shelby if you know the specific episodes where they face off against the Borg. Nonetheless, as this crew, this team, this tactical team is taking on the Borg, again, made up of more bad guys than the away mission uh, of Federation, has this really scary, emblematic, thick character, uh, Lucutus of Borg. Again, I don't want to spoil things for you, but it's pretty cool, and you should ask yourself, where's the captain of the Enterprise? That's all I'm going to say. Watch the show. It's awesome. So these two uh, clashes of away mission figures take battle and complete missions on this, you know, variable setup board, which is has is double-sided. So it's either the Federation's ship Enterprise or it's one of the Borg cubes. And doesn't really matter too much. Both sides play basically the same, more or less. And in the game itself, you have your character you have your four characters. Again, if you're playing the Federation, and I'll talk about there's Borg and there's other factions that come into play and they have health markers that are added to their player cards and each of the different characters have slightly different abilities so certain characters are better other wharf is a great fighter data is really great at the, the science missions then you and if you're playing the borg you're also getting mission cards these are cards that go in your hand that allow you to uh Score points, and this is primarily where you're scoring points throughout the game. There's other ways, but I'll get to that in a second. But primarily, it's mission cards. The mission cards also, um, you know, kind of give you that thematic, you know, storytelling element. So you're going to find it in the cards. Again, not spoiling everything, but it's in the cards. So look at the cards. You've seen the show now at this point. There's also support cards. These give your crew special abilities throughout the game. They help you with uh, certain skill tests. They give you weapons. They give you special equipment and technology. And primarily what you're doing is you are running around the board and you are trying to get to certain areas. Now, certain crew is really good at doing certain area missions. So there's command, science, operation, and medical. Depending on your character, you may want to run one of those characters over there. And then you obviously have those particular mission cards that relate to those areas. It tells you what you need to do. You will need to roll a certain number against what that mission uh, requires. Usually for the Federation's one die, and I'll talk about how that becomes problematic for other factions. And if you're able to hit it, you complete the mission, you score the points. There is also opportunities to discard cards that will give you an opportunity to um, alter or re-roll your dice rolls. And for each faction, you'll have a double-sided card that will allow you to score additional points. Again, very thematic to the show and to that particular set of episodes. And so again, based on that core mission, based upon your mission deck and how you roll, 
And again, what kind of, uh, you know, achievements and emissions you're trying to reach, that's primarily the game. You run around with your miniatures, tactical miniatures game. They run around, they try to complete missions, you're both completing missions, you're both attacking each other, trying to immobilize or, you know, stun or kill the other characters or simulate the other characters if you're the board character, the Borg uh, away, away team there. And that's primarily the game. It is a very fast-paced, again, again, depending on how fast you move or the decisions you make, should take you about an hour to play, because primarily you're drawing the hand of cards, and then once you have the cards in your hand, you're assigning actions to your different characters on the board, you're rolling dice against other characters on the other team, you're rolling dice to accomplish missions. And basically, again, every once in a while, or depending on your desire or your missions, you're going to be attacking. There's a lot of additional other little elements to this as well. You can take cover actions. Um, you could you could sneak away. You could beam up. You could beam down in certain places. There is certainly a deck building element to this game itself. Uh, this game in the base set comes with Federation and Borg, good guys and bad guys, so to speak. Very general terms there. And it's a two-player game. It's not a, It does not have a solo mode, sadly. But there are also two additional expansion factions. You could play as the Klingons. And or you could play as the Romulans. And both of those factions have characters specific to the TV show. And they do play somewhat thematically in line with that particular faction. So the Klingons are known for being like warriors. That's how they play. They're all about attacking. They're all about achieving honor. And the Romulans are known about sneaking around and manipulation. That's how they play. So you can play this game up to four. You can bring in a second base set. Or you can play with the additional factions. The gameplay itself is pretty standard. There's nothing radically different here. I will say there, there is some interesting challenges with the production of the game. The game itself, the base set, and the expansions have these open windows in which you can see the miniatures. Maybe, possibly, for people who don't game out there, they want to see the toy element to it. And it is somewhat of a toy element because these figures, they are they're on the cartoony side. They have a very bobblehead like their heads are kind of enlarged, I guess, so that you can notice who is who on the game table. Some of the elements are a little large. It's a little bit odd. They're not bad, but they're not necessarily good. Again, it's it's all about your particular artistic, you know, opinion here. It's very subjective. I'm fine with it. It doesn't wow me, but I don't hate it. I've seen hate and I've seen love. I'm I'm surprisingly kind of in the middle. It works. I'm sure you could paint these. The Borg are a little more problematic because they're gray on top of gray. So it's a little more difficult to figure out who's who. Their designation, their number is on their base. But again, it is a little hard to kind of pick out on the game board itself. The I don't like those kind of windows because it, it cheapens the look of the game for me. Again, that's a personal aesthetic kind of feel for it. Plus, the box itself... And the insert is these really cheap plastic, and it doesn't really properly hold everything nicely. You can't sleeve the game and keep it in that kind of plastic molded holder. 
I don't know what to do with it because if you don't have that holder in there for the figures, it's just you get to see the inside of the box with all the mixed components and it looks lousy. Uh, the expansion ones are smaller boxes. Again, they have the same look. They have the same open, you know, plastic to it. Again, if you take that out, and even as even if you don't take it out, you're stuffing cards behind this plastic holder, which is terrible. The graphic design is hit and miss. Like a lot of tokens just have words on it, which doesn't really add to the thematic gameplay. And that's the thing about this game. It's very thematic. It is very much about this particular away mission and about this particular conflict. And it has screenshots on the cards that are directly from the TV show. So everything about this game is thematic. The game mechanics and the graphic design don't really bring as much thematic kind of mechanical appeal here. But thematically, it's fine. Like it. It looks like Star Trek. It's got all of the elements of it here. Mechanically, it's a little bit of a letdown. And in particular, it's a big letdown because the Borg are very weak. And again, without going into too depth of mechanics, this, this, this review is going long here. Uh, the Borg have a really cool thing about them. It's very thematic. Uh, when they, they get shot down, they come back because they've learned something and they've upgraded, more or less. So they're kind of zombies. It's awesome. But the problem is they start out with two on the board and really the best thing that they can do to stop the Federation who are all about completing missions is, you know, try to assimilate the Federation crew, which is awesome. It's such a great idea. It's really hard to do because they're very weak in the beginning and they need the Federation to engage with them militarily. Otherwise, the Federation runs around and just scores enough points that they win the game. Every game I played, Federation won no matter what different tactical decisions we made, whether it's being more aggressive towards each other or being separated from each other or the Borg, you know, doing half and half or whatever it might be. I do think there's a solution to this, which is you can play the game up to four players. I think if you, and I've, and I've tested this out. If you play with four players, if you bring in the Klingons, the Klingons are very militarily aggressive. They pair very well against the Borg, who need that kind of aggression to upgrade and become more powerful. And then again, the, the Romulans come in, and since they're all about sneaky, sneaky stuff, they're really the best uh, character faction race species of slowing down or stopping the Federation. So together, as a four-player game, it's really good. As a two-player base game, it's significantly lacking mechanically. But thematically, it it looks great. It 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 just it is the show, so to speak, or or the way way mission, so to speak. Um, but mechanically, kind of broken with the Borg. Borg need to be errated. They <laughs> they need to die. Everyone needs to say that they died, and they need to come back upgraded so that they can kick the Federation's butt, and or bring the other factions in because you need to bring the other faction in. So for a two player game. If you if you're for a two player game for the base game, if you're a Star Trek fan, play this game absolutely positively. If you're not a Star Trek fan, for the two player game, it's a dodge. If you're a Star Trek fan, and or you just want a cool cool tactical game, play with the four players. Play with the two additional factions. Don't play with another base set. Play with all different four factions. That really provides a great 
harmony, and then the game plays well, and then it's a play. So play for Star Trek fans, dodge for non-Star Trek fans, and again, if you're ambitious enough, throw all four in, and then you'll have a good time. Rough, man. That's yeah. a rough review. It looked good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looked it looked cool. I guess yeah. I don't know if it looked good. Uh, but I don't know, that the funkification of those little chibi figures. I guess it's, the, the gameplay went with it. <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. I like I said, I think there are certain graphic graphic design elements that just fall flat that are problematic. But the rest of stuff is okay. Like it's it's all of it is very passable. The graphic design is passable. I don't want to beat up. There's nothing broke about the graphic design. Everything's passable. It's very thematic. You got everything from the show. You got the Borg figures in there. The fact that you could put an overlay on the Federation characters when they get assimilated is really cool and awesome. Love that part. Again, if the Borg faction could get fixed with an errata, I think this would be a good game. I think the Borg faction needs to be fixed. And they're they're part of the base game. So unless you want to pick up the two expansions. Yeah, that's a thing. All right. Well, that's our at the table. Anthony, let's get on to our feature review. So our feature review this week, of course, is Board Game Geek's hotness for August 2023. So many games have been burning up the charts because of Essen coming up, because Gen Con has just passed, and honestly, because of Grand Larceny. So I don't know. <laughs> Anthony, what do you have up for us this week? All right. It's it's going to be a while till we get to the Grand Larceny. It's up there. Aww. Uh, so... <laughs> We've got the Board Game Geek Top 50. Uh, we're not going to go through all 50 games because there's a significant number of these that are on the list every single month. But we are going to go through the ones that are new, interesting, or have moved significantly. So we'll start at number 50. This is Call of Duty, the board game. It's currently on Kickstarter uh, for coming from Arcane Wonders. And that's about all I know because we did not go out of our way at all at Gen Con to learn anything about this game. I don't think any of the three of us were interested in this particular IP. That does not speak to the quality of the game. We just do not care. It's so, <laughs> being blunt. Whoa. <laughs> so many hot takes this week. So many hot takes. So many hot takes. Yeah. We hit, we, we hit 10 years and I'm like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> it's all coming out. Um, so Call of Duty at number 50. Uh, I know a lot of people are really psyched about this, actually, just being totally honest. Yeah. Uh, from what we heard at Gen Con, people were really interested in what they played. Uh, number 49 is Planet Unknown. Uh, this is an older game. It's shipped for a while now from Adam's Apple Games, but it was nominated for the Kenner Spiel, and people were very interested in it. They had a lot of traffic, a lot of foot traffic at their booth at Gen Con. Still haven't had a chance to play this, unfortunately, but I think both of us really want to, right? Absolutely. Yeah, no, this is definitely something on my list. All right, uh, jumping up here a little bit, we have Earthborn Rangers at number 46. This is another game that was featured at Gen Con. Um, just a really, really cool-looking art style. Mm -hmm. Right, It's a customizable cooperative card game. It's in the future, in the wilderness, and just everything's just built around environmental space and storytelling, um, and the artwork really reflects that. Uh, yeah, just a very pretty-looking game, and... I guess just recent shipping and its presence at Gen Con and everything else. Um, it's got this one on the list. Definitely. Uh, number 43 is World Wonders. This was one of the, I would say, top five, probably, hottest games at Gen Con. Mm -hmm. um, 
it was in the top of the hotness. It sold out on day one, like pretty much everything else that was mildly interesting. Uh, I want to play it. It's Polyominoes and Civ building, which are like two of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't wowed by Zamandis's first game, Brazil Imperial, but hey, second time's a charm, right? I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Here's hoping. Here's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I will get it at some point when it's easy to get, and we will play it and review it. Sure. <laughs> It'll probably be another 7.58 game, but it's fine. Here's hoping for more. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have uh, Forest Shuffle, which is at number 41 on the list. This is a recently announced kind of card game coming from designer Koch, um, who previously designed Fife. Um, it's coming from Lookout Games, mm-hmm. and it is all about gathering the most valuable trees that then attract species to the trees. So it is one of those beautiful artwork flora and fauna type of tableau builder games Mm -hmm. which i am an absolute sucker for so that just seeing the cover of it which is like this cute little fox in the forest yeah i was like "Ooh, i want this game (laughs) what is it about i don't know it's probably Uh, mean because it's about plants (laughs) (laughs) plant games are always so mean um all right moving up the list we have at number 37 sea salt and paper this was another of those top five games i think at gen con people really excited about this Small box, family weight, card game. It was Spiel des Jahres recommended, not nominated, but recommended, uh, designed by Bruna Cathala and Theo Rivera. And people were very excited about it. I'm very excited about it. It's just a very cool aesthetic, um, like the folded paper look on all the cards and a lot of unique card artwork, which is cool. Very nice. All right. I mentioned Grand Austria Hotel, Hoekseisen, at number 36. So skip over that one. We talked about it a little bit before. Uh, number 35 is Sky Team, mm-hmm. another one of those hot games from Gen Con. Uh, you are flying and landing planes in this two-player cooperative game. This is one that we actively tried to get a demo of and or a copy, and we just weren't able to because it was so hot at the convention. People were really just all about this game. So it's on the list for the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 32 is Three Ring Circus, another one of those hot games that sold out really quick at Gen Con. This is a funny one. If, if they'd had it, I would have bought it because mm-hmm. it's Fabio Lopiano worked on it. It's from Devere. It's got a cool aesthetic. And yet, Chris, you kept voicing to me, and I kind of agree. I'm like, there's no way this is going to be great, right? It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. I, I, I think this, it's, look, it's hard to say. We have not played it. We have not demoed sure. it. So Devere has, and we we were on board with Devere way 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 back, like super. Oh, yeah. When no one was coming over to their booth, we were coming over to their booth, and every year they get better. And this game looks like this game looks great. And yet at the same time, the more you look at the board, you're like, it looks great, but it it seems like just from the looks of the board, it might be a little basic. Again, not a problem, but also like. This company's continuing to peak. I don't think this is the peak game for them yet. No. But I've not played it. So maybe. I don't know. But probably not because it also looks something mechanically. that's like, mm, I don't know. Getting there, but it's a feeling. Yeah. Just saying. It's a feeling. Yeah. I don't disagree with your feeling, and yet I still want it. So sure. I will review it and tell everybody if you're right or not. Oh, so. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna tune into that episode. Heck yeah. You better be here. <laughs> 
Haven't missed an episode yet, folks. Still here. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Woo! Every episode. This guy. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, I can't claim that. All right. Uh, number 30, Castles of Burgundy Special Edition. Oh, come on. No, one, no, just... no one's going to buy that. Come no on. No one's going to buy no that. Buy that. It only made a few million dollars. Ah, come on. It's shipping. I have mine. It's sitting next to my foot right now on the shelf right here. If you if you could see, I'm pointing at it. Um, it's big. It's sprawling. It's another giant box for a game I love that I will never leave the house with. So I need people to come here and we will play it. <laughs> so. To put a new Patreon backer special edition for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fly to Anthony's house so he can play these big box games that he doesn't want to carry around. <laughs> Uh, all right, number 27, we got The Witcher Old World. This oh. was a crowdfunded campaign back maybe a year or two ago. Um, and I've heard mixed things about this game. I know some people really digging it. Some people are a little turned off by it. Uh, the, the overall rating is really high, but it's a crowdfunding game, so who knows. Um, it's dudes on a map. You're going around. You're trying to complete different objectives. You had to fight a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I think if you love The Witcher, it's probably amazing, and that's probably most of the people who've bought it so far. So sure. I have no opinion of the game. I didn't back it because I'm not that big of a Witcher fan. Oh, but I can see. Well, I just haven't played through them. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I would like to try it at some point, but it's not something I was going to pay three hundred dollars for. Sure, that's fair. I mean, anytime you see those miniatures games, it's like first it's Kickstarter, so there's a little bias as far as that's concerned, and then it's like amazing miniatures of a series that you love so yes maybe we'll get to the gameplay but also it's got the stuff i like so you know yeah yeah that's true so you're like ah take it with a you know you know grain of salt so to speak yeah uh all right next up we've got number 25 is expeditions this is the sequel to scythe and sequel is probably a strong word so maybe spiritual successor yeah um, I think he said Having something. poked around with it a little bit, I, I don't think it has much in common other than the artwork. Mm-hmm. Like thematically, a sequel to Scythe. Mechanically, not at all. <laughs> um, it's really not at all. But uh, we're going to be talking about that one probably soon. Uh, have had a chance to poke with, around with it, but need to play it at more player counts, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's coming up. All right. Number 24, throwing this in there because... I don't know why it's here. I mean, I do know why because I looked it up, but I didn't know why it was here. <laughs> it's a feast for Odin. So, a feast for Odin, famously my favorite uh, Uwe Rosenberg game, and one of your least favorite Uwe Rosenberg games. Literally, so, yes, yeah. You can go watch our YouTube video ranking, tier listing all of Uwe Rosenberg's game. We have a nice, healthy fight about uh-huh. this game, a feast for Odin and Agricola, which we have <laughs> opposing opinions on. There you go. Um, but they are doing a new edition of the game. So there's going to be upgrades with new mini expansions, a uh, new one to play two player board and integrating all the Norwegian expansion stuff into it. So for those people who don't have it and don't have all the stuff, you'll be able to get it all together, packed together. So what you're saying they're going to fix it, right? They're finally, it's finally going to be a good game is what you're saying. They fixed it with the expansion, but now they're packing the expansion into the box. Ah, all right. I appreciate that. I'll give them credit for yeah. that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you'll like it anymore, but I love it. So I'm happy. <laughs> As long as, look, the first the first thing that they needed to do was admit that there was a problem, and they did that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I never I never said there wasn't a problem. I just said I love it anyways. All right. So, yeah, no. I get that. It, it is what it is. I mean, Misery Farming um, is Misery Farming is Misery Farming. So, yeah. No, but it's not Misery Farming. No, no, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying Agricola. 
you know like oh yeah, yeah so you, yeah, yeah it's yeah. misery farming and somehow you i love it so i i i appreciate that so that's fair yeah yeah i, I just don't like the games that beat me up so much <laughs> so. <laughs> do they beat you up with a oddly shaped loaf of bread <laughs> that on the other <laughs> side is somehow i don't know a birthday cake because that's how the shaped birthday cakes are i don't know <laughs> they... what was on the other side of the bread the i have no idea <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's, Some of the things are weird. You flip them over, they're weird. They're weird, yeah. Um, all right, moving on from that whole conversation, which uh-huh. we'll come back to when the expansion comes out. Um, Amritsar, the Golden Temple, is a new one coming from Ludanova, David Harris Pino, um, and it's about Amritsar, the Golden Temple in India. It looks so, nice and shiny. It does look nice and shiny. It's a Mancala type of game. Ooh, I like Mancala's. Uh, you're re- rebuilding the temple in the city. So that's about I, all we know right now. It's another one of these like late summer announcements, but it looks pretty cool. It looks very uh, Lisboa-ish as far as yeah, yeah, yeah. rebuilding and stuff. And those elephants are next level. So yeah, the elephants are amazing. I love it. <sighs> yeah. You, you have to carry check. stuff around. I know. Is, is this actually coming out or is this getting some sort of crowdfunding thing? I believe Ludanova just releases their stuff, so it's coming to What? Essen. Who does that? That's I know. That's awesome. Thank you. Please thank you. <laughs> the Germans, man. The Germans got us covered. Oh my god. They're not, they're not messing around. They just release games. <laughs> <They're> just like <laughs> Jeez. All right. There you go. So Amritsar, coming at Essen. If you're in Europe, pick it up. If you're not, uh wait with us the rest of us until next year if you are in europe and you pick it up send me a copy because i want to play this it looks fancy and fun yeah it does look good all right moving up the list we've got number 20 age of innovation Mm. terra mystica 3.0 uh i picked this up at gen con i have had a chance to poke (laughs) around with it a little bit hey somebody else picked it up at gen con they had a chance to poke around with it too (laughs) yeah i picked it up it got lost (laughs) at the airport the police found it everybody got a chance to look at this game um (laughs) But it survived and all the pieces were still there somehow. Like, despite several things going missing from my suitcase in its grand journey, this game was intact. That so. I don't know if that's a good thing though. They're like they looked at it like yeah. they're like, I don't know what this is. This can't be worth it. <laughs> Just No, there's yeah. Uh I, I'm not ready to review this yet, but I will say it is basically Terra Mystica if you make it more asymmetrical at the start with uh-huh. more variability. And then the technology options are a little more opened up. So it's like a, it's almost like a 1.5 between Terra Mystica and Gaia Project. Okay. Which is interesting. So it's almost like, do you want the theme of Terra Mystica, but some of the variability and flexibility of Gaia Project, but without the modularity? Yes. It's almost what you get here. So. Excellent. I'm happy. Let's do that. Yeah. It, it almost Honestly, it seems like something you will like, but we will see. Finally. Come on. If, if they're not going to make games for me, then why are they making board games? Come on don't even bother <laughs> seriously it's embarrassing uh, for this i people. did have fun i did have fun with it in my couple solo plays so all right. looking forward to playing it with everybody else all right fine and me yeah well you're among everybody else oh thank obviously. you i appreciate that yeah top of the list all right number 17 mist wind this is currently on kickstarter you are navigating through the mist wind islands on a flying whale i guess um I don't know what this is supposed to be, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Just like it's one of those games that has like a lot of things going into it. So you've got a kind of outlandish theme, 
you're flying through these sky islands looks almost miyazaki ish uh you've got some pick up and deliver mechanics some network and route building you've got a big sprawling board with lots of bits on it some of them up floating above it's it's all very pretty i love the aesthetic of this uh <coughs> don't don't really know what the game is going to turn out to be and again that's not a bad thing it just means I haven't had a chance to play it or see it through. I can see why it's on the hotness because it looks really cool. That sounds good to me. That's worth it. Yeah. Uh, number 14, we've got Great Western Trail New Zealand. This is the final re-release of Great Western Trail with the three re-releases that they promised us. Um, came out at Gen Con. Some people still have it out now. It's You're raising and herding sheep now instead of herding and killing cattle. So I guess it's better <laughs> I don't think in that so. sense. I don't think so. <laughs> The sheep stay alive. So sure, okay, I'm done with that. Yeah, it's good. (laughs) Um, I don't really know what they've changed here. I think Great Western Trail is one of those games that neither one of us has really stuck around with. So, but what I've seen is people are psyched about it. Um, there are dog cards, so people are really digging that as well. Dogs are awesome. Sheep are awesome. I'm down with that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Nucleum at number thirteen. We saw this at gen con Mm -hmm. it is up for pre-sale already it's coming out at essen we should hopefully have a copy in a couple months we will review it we will tell you about it looks good looks interesting it's brass but with a bunch of other euro stuff layered on top i really like this it really like they went all out like they heard us they heard people they had sent a survey out previously and they were like what can we do better about our games and i was like my friend you have like this is awesome like i really appreciate that and I gave, yeah. you know, like everybody else. And, and I think they knew as well, because that's what, re- what they were really trying to get to. They were like, hey, you love the games from Board and Dice, but the artwork and components are not so great, maybe? Like, what games would you like these games to, more, to look like or appear like? And I wrote a whole bunch of things because that made the sense because they were becoming the beige and brown and kind of pale green games again like that we we i thought we left that you know decade of those games yeah no it's great like barcelona is the other one yeah that it Hops. came out at gen con they had it. it looked really pretty i don't know what the game's like yet we don't have it yet um it is coming yeah but it's really really pretty to look at and so even if it's exactly the same mechanically as the t games for the last few years I'm more interested because of the visuals. Because you can't tell the difference between some of the T games. Like if I threw all the yeah. T names at you, you couldn't tell me which game was which. Because they don't, they don't, yeah. they're not memorable in that way. And again, it's not. Look, we played plenty of dry spreadsheet Euro games, but like these, they kind of meld together after a while. Right. All right. Uh, so uh, we got up going close to the top ten here. Number eleven, first up is Voidfall, the new Mind Clash game. It is starting to ship out to people. I think my copy is somewhere in Canada right now or on a train, maybe. So I should have it in the next two to three weeks. I don't know if I'll play it right away because it's going to be a big old giant messy box of stuff, but I'm excited for it. Uh, Barcelona, number 10, we just talked about. This is the board and dice game that did just release Mm -hmm. at Gen Con um, from Danny Garcia. Beautiful, beautiful looking game. Lots of really good things I've heard from people so far. Excited to play it. Number nine is Ascendancy. This is a new game from Matthew Meeple, which doesn't seem like a real name. <laughs> uh, Jeez. <laughs> I think you made that up, Matthew. <laughs> um, it's on Kickstarter right now, though. It's made a ton of money. It's a 4X fantasy meets worker placement board game. So 
we got fantasy forex and worker placement it's got everything and uh people are digging it so check that one out on kickstarter if you're interested uh number six pirates of maracaibo this is one of dlp games they announced like four or five new things for essen this is a new one from alexander fister along with ryan hendrickson and ralph binert um it's not a sequel to Maracaibo. It is a new type of game set in the world of Maracaibo, which is really just Maracaibo. Age of Pirates. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not... just Maracaibo. Okay. There, there's not a theme to the world of Maracaibo for that to be a thing. No. That's what it is. <laughs> just say it's Maracaibo because it's not, that's not, no, it's not, yeah, it's not a thing. Yeah, just... it's Pirates. It's Pirates, the Caribbean. <laughs> that's all it is. It's like a 40 year period 300 years ago. That's all this is. That's it. Anyways, whatever. Um, new game. <laughs> It's dice rolling and multi-use cards. It's a Euro for, with Alexander Fister. I'm sure it'll be good. We'll see. <laughs> uh, Dune Imperium Uprising. You mentioned this earlier, Chris. It's a new version of Dune. It's a standalone sequel. Whatever that means. We'll find out soon. Sure. Uh, number four is Evenfall. This is yet another new release from DLP Games. Um, coming from Stefano De Silva. Beautiful looking game. Um, I'm actually very interested in this one. It's kind of like a made-up fantasy world, uh, car-driven engine-building type of game with a lot of cool-looking mechanics. Um, don't know much more about it, but looking forward to it coming out sometime next year. Who knows? <laughs> here in the, the U.S. <laughs> Number three is Lurkana. We talked about this at length at the beginning of the show. It'll be up here for a while. Number two. What? Number two. Number two on the hotness of Board Game Geek? From 2015. What? 2015? Uh, a, a game that we gave a warm <laughs> to lukewarm dodge, possibly a light play, <laughs> is Castle Assault, which you're saying, why is Castle Assault on the list? Well, let me tell you why. Because a castle was assaulted uh, the recently? The designers... <laughs> yeah, a, a castle was assaulted recently. Yeah. Um, TJ Dunbar and Pearson Gyame are persons of interest in the theft of over $300,000 of magic cards uh, from pastime games at Gen Con. And they're the designers of this game. So there you go. <laughs> this game had a rating of like high sixes and low sevens. When all this started, it's now at 4.6. So wow. We're not thrilled with these guys stealing stuff. Well, it's, it's very much based on the gameplay to steal magic from a castle. So it does kind of work, but also again, I think you failed to mention the true crime aspect of this, Anthony, which was, one of the alleged suspects, the designer, was wearing a shirt, and on the back of his shirt was his game. So, yeah. again, marketing. You're a marketing guy. You got to appreciate that. That's some guerrilla marketing, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, these guys have not been charged no, with any crimes yet. it's alleged. So, persons of interest could just be fans of the game. We don't know. Which would, if they're just fans of the game, I feel bad for the actual designers of the game. but. Assuming it is all the same thing. It's it's just a weird, funny wraparound story. It's a fantastically funny wraparound story. And again, a game from 2015 burning up in the midst of the hottest period in board gaming, Gen Con to Essen, and somehow this is number two. And people are yeah. like, again, true crime stuff. Like they have they they if they can play the game or read through the rule book, they gotta see what's going on in the mind of I don't know, the greatest heistman in board gaming, tabletop gaming history? I don't know. I mean, the most bold. I don't know if greatest is a good way to put it, because they got caught really fast. <laughs> well, yeah. But look, 
That was never his intention to steal, allegedly. It was his intention to market his game, and he did it. Number did. two, brother. Number two. Heck yeah. That's, Heck yeah. Let's let's all try you know to what? push it to number one. Come on. <laughs> it it probably would be number one if it wasn't for them launching the sleeve feature. Because number one is Everdell. I wonder and why. Number, <laughs> and the reason Everdell is number one is because it is the example that they give in the post about the new sleeve feature. So you can click through to see how it works. Everybody clicked through to see how it works, <laughs> and Everdell jumped to number one. So algorithm people, algorithm. <laughs> Heck yeah! So there you go. The top three are kind of an oddball bunch this year because everything below that is actually hot games that people are interested in. Yeah, that's that's certainly a thing. All right, everyone. Until the next great heist. This is Chris, and this is Anthony, and we'll save you all a seat in our prison cell. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <Bye-bye. laughs>